What's up, everybody? Andy here, writing solo on this episode. A couple of the guys that I had asked to be on this one couldn't make it, so I decided to go solo. One thing I remembered, and I mean, this is obviously long overdue. Uh, if you go back to episode number two, it's like 35 minutes long, and I, it's really rushed, and I'm pretty sure you can tell. And for those of you who have heard it already, then you'll understand, and you'll you'll have known it because you've heard it. Um, there's some general questions that I wanted to bring up to Brian and Eddie at the time that I felt would give everybody a good scope, a good view on maybe their background, uh, where they come from and, you know, where they are now in their life career wise and other and career wise and, uh, maybe personally as well, you know, how, how they fall into their circles of friends. I never got to me. And frankly, after that, it's because I kept forgetting. And then I'd remember, and then I'd forget again. Funny thing is, now I feel very comfortable talking on the microphone alone. Um, and that's, I don't want that to sound arrogant. It's just honestly being comfortable. Once you put on headphones and you're talking on a microphone, it's a totally different game. And at this point, I will not skew my answer to these questions. Skew in the sense of, oh, you know, I've had time to think about them. Yes, I've had time to think about them. But it's more of my approach to talking and conversation and obviously if you've heard me before or if you've uh even for those of you who have maybe talked to me in person um i i do i am careful about not how i say things or what i say necessarily because I'm, I'm i am telling truth i'm that's 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 my premise that's my base that's what I, that's my foundation that's the foundation of moving with life but just being more articulate so that you can understand me clearly i try to talk very crisp just so that there's no confusion, or or at least that's what I hope for. Funny thing is, sometimes I talk to people and they're like, "What do you mean by this?" or "What do you mean by that?" It's like, "Oh man!" And I, I feel personally, and honestly, I feel like like I failed anybody who's told me that because it's like, man, I'm I'm trying to break some things down, and and maybe it's not that I haven't bro- broken them down enough, but maybe it's the way I'm articulating them now that I need to maneuver and try to find a way for everybody to understand uh, where I'm coming from, and even some of these points that I'll bring up today and. For, frankly, for the past 45 weeks before this one, um, why I think certain points are important and how they impact our our actions today. So jumping right into these questions, only four, so you'll get to get a good glimpse of me and finally answering these questions that, again, the guys answered, I, th- I believe it's episode two, which was week number two, which was back in January. We're now the last week of November, so here we go. If you could summarize your childhood from the time you can recall memories to age 10, what would you say? How would you describe it? For me, my childhood, I have to say, it w- people might call it busy, but it was, I, was just, I was just very active. And, and even, even for some of the other things that I started in, it's uh, one thing that I recall Glenn Fry talking about on an Eagles interview was, you know, he started piano when he was very young and at a certain age he stopped because that was a way to get beat up. Like playing piano was, I guess, more of a feminine thing. It's funny enough because like Mozart and all the a lot of the greats like started off with piano. So for me, you know, my earliest memories do encompass everything from piano to baseball. I started playing piano when I was three. Picked up a baseball around the same time. Four four years old started playing. You know, not obviously not. Because back then we didn't have really flag football or anything like that, but um, there are there is VHS tapes somewhere amongst my home 
uh, where I'm wearing a football uniform of sorts, more like a Halloween costume and playing football with either my dad or my mom or both of them. And that that would summarize my earlier, we're talking, you know, toddler, maybe toddler-ish to maybe five years old. And then once I turned five, that's when I was able to start playing t-ball. Cool thing is I made it to the All-Stars, which if you guys, or for those maybe not aware, All-Stars is where you go. Um, essentially, you can reach what it, what is the world, the Little League World Series now. And, and it, it was interesting being a, being a part of that because that then put me in a team of kids that, I had never met before, and some some of them knew me, and I didn't know them. And now, now of course, twenty years later, it's totally different. I, I and we, you know, even for the ones who have kept contact, maybe over social media and whatnot, it's a it's an interesting process. But anyways, the baseball pretty much took over once I was able to play for a league, and I I did that a lot. I still continue to piano, uh, on you know, obviously, like I I take lessons like on Saturday mornings and stuff like that, and uh, and then I had stopped for a little bit. And then what else happened? Let's see. So going through grade school, I I have to say just it was just baseball. And then when I was in school, well, I mean, I, I guess I was an A student, B student. It was pretty. Now I do have some vivid stuff that I and I, there's some frankly some stuff that I have brought up before. Even I think last week, I brought up you know hitting the shed and then like getting hit square in the in the nose. And luckily you know I, I didn't get an eye poked out. So like there, I do have little memories like that. But in general, if I had to if I had to summarize my earliest memories to age 10 it it was it was my life I, I remember eddie saying you know it was a typical childhood it was like well what is typical i believe i said that on that on the episode too and for me i i my definition would have to be typical to my to me like that, that that's what my parents did my my dad was my dad's a truck driver even to this day my mom works for a lawyer she works admin for a lawyer and that's been on and off but even now she's working there full time basically and i am now doing what I'm doing, but during that time, you know, it was a full-time gig for each of them. You know, my dad was out for weeks at a time. My mom was working on and, and and taking care of me as well. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like oh, like I'm I'm I have a babysitter or something like that, like driving me to place to place. Now I do have uh, several relatives that did help partake in my young in my childhood um, to ensure that I make it to baseball games or if I needed a you know if I needed to be see, you know sought seen after because of work or whatever, then, you know, that, that was also made possible. Second question, in retrospect, what changes do you see happen from middle school until graduating high school? Main thing, because it was life altering. And I've mentioned before is watching Gary Allen, you know, a little over 10 years ago. And when the song right where I need to be comes out and I heard it live, I was just, I was blown away. And I essentially, in my head, I remember saying, oh, man, I want to do that. But all I asked my parents was, can I take guitar lessons? I, I, I felt like that was my that was what I was compelled to was like guitar lessons, guitar lessons, guitar lessons. When can I start? Can I start now? And, of course, at that time, I'm, and by this time, sixth grade, seventh grade, I'm playing baseball year round. So I'm playing, you know, 10, 11 months out of the year. Probably, I, honestly, I can't remember. I just know that it was a year, quote, unquote, year, you know, year round baseball league that we would play and travel more mostly within the valley it wasn't like anything crazy but it was enough to where it was taking up my time and the only time i would have time to at least start guitar lessons would be in the summer and that was around sixth grade so that was a big thing that changed my at least my ambition you know where it's like oh man music played the bigger role and essentially once i got to to middle school i made like percussion i learned percussion 
and then in high school I made I made I made the drum line and basically that was my my separating factor because I was in football as well in junior high and I mean I I really enjoyed football and I I even amongst the work amongst like the tiredness like it, like I wouldn't have had even then I wouldn't have had it any other way and that's very I'm being very honest with that so come eighth grade try out for the drum line in high school for high school I make it. And that was it. That was that was all that football wrote. That's all that. That's all. That's as far as football got in my career as a as a student, middle school and high school. So then, another thing that that changed for me was up until then, it was a lot. As far as music goes, I was very influenced by, of course, Tejano at the time. You know, through that time, and then discovering rock alternative rock and rock i mean by like creed and stuff like that for whatever reason it, it just hit me I, I love the heaviness of the instruments but then the voice was the vocals were always melodic you could always understand it wasn't like necessarily screamo or uh some type of like heavy heavy metal uh music now in middle school i was introduced to like pantera and metallica and dream theater which dream theater is very melodic if you listen to their stuff but um music like that it it wasn't such a mind blowing experience, but I liked it. I really, especially Pantera. The song that really got me going for uh, for that was Cemetery Gates. The intro and then going into that, you know, going to the main thing. But the, the intro is what got me into Cemetery Gates. Uh, how it starts real soft and then gets heavy, at, heavy, you know, once the lyrics come in. But then breaking down again, you know, it's 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 a very melodic song versus some of the other material that they've released. And so that's probably the biggest thing. Cause I, that, that's one thing that that's just one of those memories that I have very vivid is listening to Cemetery Gates for the first time, and I'm like, oh my god! And I had that song on repeat a lot during that time. And then seventh, eighth grade, you know, started looking into starting a band, and I did that with some, you know, colleagues at the time. And they ended up continuing, which was pretty cool. Uh, they continued that process, and and essentially once we got to high school, some, you know, I even one one friend, he quit baseball to go to that band, and I quit the band to go to baseball and, and it, essentially obviously in, in retrospect it all worked out i mean it, it was it was i pr much preferred baseball I, I had been waiting for this opportunity to play for my high school which you know my dad went to and played high school for and awesome, cool enough was that the head coach for my freshman the head varsity coach for my freshman and sophomore year was my dad's catcher's coach back when he was in high school so that alone was for me an honor and i say that very uh with with much respect and uh, getting to that, even to have that experience my freshman and sophomore year of high school. And then, of course, I mean, not of course, but then our coach, he got ill. And so they had an interim and then and things changed. And biggest change for me was come junior year, we get a, an official head coach. And at the time, I was beginning my, my, what I would call my rebellious stage, which is funny enough on its own. Because now I'm, I'm essentially just trying to develop relationships and see, you know, where I can make an impact, but also I just feel like conversation is important. So that's what I'm, that's my main focus is creating conversation. Anyhow, so junior high, or sorry, junior high, junior year in high school, we get an official high school baseball coach. And eventually I leave the team and, you know, come spring, I leave the team. I'm, I'm playing, by this time I'm playing fall ball again. So we're playing basically year round to prepare for the spring and go through the process, get a new coach, you know, there's a lot of changes going on at the time. I wasn't adept to change because I feel like, man, like this works. Like, why would we change? And at the time, it 
it was more of like, okay, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Now, what I say to, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's like, well, can, can, is there any chance that we can do it maybe a little bit better? Or are, or what possibilities are we leaving out? You know, that, that's the way I think of, you know, if it's not broke, don't change it. Well, now I'm, I'm totally, now I'm not always for change, but at the time, for sure, I was even more, and I was way against change um, in any aspect, you know, anything. I mean, and it was funny. It was down to like the point of, you know, he was changing our, our signs when we were up to bat and I didn't learn them. And, you know, I obviously I got chewed out for it. And that was, I mean, now I claim it to be my fault, but it's like, you know, also funny thing that I think that I'm thinking of now is that, you know, I was scared to ask questions. I was scared to ask and get ridiculed for asking questions and he was one of the people that said you know just just ask you know don't don't hesitate of course given his language and his demeanor the way he the way he told me that i was even gonna ask less because instead of saying hey man like you know you yes you messed up but next time just ask no of course i get chewed out he's like next time just ask the whole deal goes down i'm like you think i'm gonna ask and now I, i see that back you know now that now that i'm learning through uh via internet and, and readings of like Jocko Willink and these guys that are teaching leadership skills, you know, there's certain ways to, uh, approach, especially a student. And that, that's what I see now. Even when I go substitute teach, like you have to approach these students with every ounce of, uh, being that you have to really, really try to listen. And you know, if they're retaliating, what are they, or what are they really saying? You know, and most, most of the time, honestly, most of the time it's, it's something that's going on at home that's affecting their character at school. And I learned that really quick, especially sick, like, you know, middle school kids. That, those are probably my, uh, that's probably my strongest point because that's their biggest transition. And that's why this question came up, you know, in retrospect, what changes do you see happen from middle school to high school? Um, that developed, directly from working with some middle school kids and even then i've only been doing substituting for for like less than a full school you know less than a full school year and even then up up until this point early in january i had already seen these students you know acting a certain way and it's like man why are these kids acting or when you know how, how how can i relate to them how can i empathize with them it's like well i kind of went to the same thing maybe a little bit later because i feel like a lot of kids are rebelling now maybe and maybe it's just the kids that i'm working with uh, more often than not is, you know, they're rebelling at a very young age and my rebellion quote unquote came, you know, junior, senior year and my first year out of my first, not even first year out of high school, just my first fall period of, out of high school. Um, that was my little rebellion. Then I finally got my, I would say I come, I got my shit together and I continued to, um, or actually, no, I didn't continue anything. I, it seemed, it seemed like that was a, a fresh slate for me was moving, moving away from home and going to college, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, starting to work. You know, I got lucky with getting work, but we'll get there with the next couple questions. So that was the main thing. Uh, as far as even, oh yeah, no, I mean my, my rebellion in high school, it it affected. I I don't want to. I hope, or I guess maybe I hope, maybe it's more that I hope that it didn't affect many people in a negative way. But in retrospect, again, it's like man, you know, oh, obviously now I I I'd I'd, uh, I'd approach things way differently and have much more. Uh, want to listen thoroughly to maybe what the other person that I'm talking to is actually saying or what they actually want to say. Third question, how did college get you to where you are today? Biggest thing I got out of college and one thing that I promote to parents that I'm able to talk to now who are getting ready to either send their kid to college or maybe they're going to military, you know, different things is that for me, the best thing I got 
primary to my education or higher education is that I learned how to live on my own. That was a retrospective point of like, I learned how, and not even, I mean, I'd want to be better. And obviously now that's what I'm working on now is communication, but I had to communicate on my own, you know, with a landlord, you know, the leasing office. I had to do that stuff on my own with the apartment at school. I had to go to the advisor. I had to make the appointments. I had to, if I got sick, I had to go to, I had to go do that. If uh, the bank, I need to take all, like take care of my bills, me pay the bills, me cook for myself, learn how to cook for myself, make sure I don't overcook something or undercook something. My thing was actually undercooking because I was always in a rush at the time. Now I'm much more relaxed about it. And frankly, I have, you know, some awesome people that cook for me and you know, that's with all good graces and I'm completely appreciative and I don't take that stuff for granted. But biggest thing I got out of college to where I'm in today, where I am, where I am today is communicating, learning to live on my own, learning how to not necessarily, I don't want to say meet new people, but I, I learned how to maneuver. And even then at some point in college, I was going to school full time. I was working full time, you know, 32 40 hours 32 to 40 hours a week and then at some point halfway through school I was I started gigging that was 2012 so I was juggling three things and it was it was good you know I, I stayed busy which is a terrible word and it's it's so slang now that I'll probably have to have a conversation on this podcast about the term busy and what it's turned into versus what it uh, what it what it started with and what it is now but anyhow Today, you know, whenever I have to communicate at any point, you know, and there's still obviously, obvious, I think it's, a, I think it's more of a human nature thing where uh, you're, or we're scared of getting, you know, told no or rejected in any way, whether it's personal, whether it's business, whether it's uh, asking for a favor, figuring stuff like that out. Um, that was the greatest thing I got. Now I had some, I got, I got lucky. I, I honestly say I got lucky. And had some of the, for me, like I said, this is totally biased, obviously, but I had some of the best professors in college. So I got lucky with that. And that, to me, that was, that was the easy part, regardless of some of the stuff that I had to deal with, you know, with professors and having to, having to first, you know, firsthand deal with uh, foreign professors. Because for me, it was like the, some of the monotonous of, of, and it's not the professor's fault. Like I, I know that, but it was like, man, some, some of these professors were hard to understand and you had to really, really focus And I had to sit in a certain spot because that was like my that was my that was my threshold of of listening. Because if I sat any any farther behind, I wouldn't pay attention. I, and I knew that, so I also knew that I had to sit, you know, at least the first, maybe second row, towards the middle. Um, and for some of the classes that I actually that I, that I grew to love, I sat in the front, and I and you know I was I tried to be as interactive as I could. Uh, cool part also, you know, I guess a side note that could be for this question was like I got to meet a lot of veterans. I was lucky to meet a lot of veterans and still, you know, not even veterans. Some were not necessarily on active duty. They were more like a, on a sabbatical and they were some of the best people. And I actually were in, I was in their groups whenever we had group projects for our business classes um, that I enjoyed a lot. And some of those guys actually went back and some of the guys are, you know, they're then now they're doing their own thing and whatnot. But uh, that was a cool part uh, that I could say as a, as a side note was that, meeting some some meeting veterans for the first time like going going back to they, you know they've been to Iraq they've been to Afghanistan that was my first encounter with veterans and 
and really their their grind like they and they literally could give a crap about anything else they had work to do they were going to get it done they were going to get a's and they were going to go about their business and that that was cool uh hopefully for me i would have to stay inspiring enough for me to uh, at least at least at the very least keep, keep my hat together maybe not get my hat to get act together but keep you know keep on a on a good direction you know being surrounded by these awesome people and yeah, so that and like I said, that's that's something that I I, I tell parents that you know, oh no, it, it's cheaper. Everybody says it's cheaper to stay. Yes, it's cheaper to stay. But my argument is that there's more to college than the school. I know that the past generations were told a certain thing, like oh, you need college for this. Well, like everybody has a freaking college degree now, and now you see these kids that are eighteen, nineteen, making hundreds of thousands of dollars, and have barely a GED or a high school diploma. It's like we're I under, I'm understanding that times are changing and the way I see college being beneficial is that only if you move away from home. That allows the parents to get... And it's, it's funny enough that parents, you know, they... a lot. I, I guess what I've seen, honestly, is, you know, a lot of parents stay together for the child and then I believe, like, after they leave... After a lot of kids leave at home, then that like that's when divorce rates go up because now it's like, oh we don't have a child anymore keeping us together. And frankly, what I say then is like, well, no, that's actually when you want to like rekindle what you had and go out on vacations and, and enjoy your time together. You know, especially if you have one or two children and maybe they're close in proximity as far as age, you know, you can go out on vacation again, take a weekend off, go to a hotel. You don't even have to leave the town. Just go to a hotel. And even that environment is totally different. I know I sense that even when I go to South Padre or anything like that and get a hotel for the day or for the night or whatever. And it's like, yeah, like, you know, you don't feel like you're at home. You don't feel like you're you're within an hour or an hour and a half from home. Anyhow, uh, I feel like that's something that I, I can maybe relate to later on in life. But it's just what I see. And parents are always uh, like, oh, it costs this much money. And I even, I even had this conversation recently of uh, with a parent. And she was debating her daughter and, like, financial aid and this and that. Debating her daughter in the sense, in the sense of financial aid, not debating her. Uh, but she's getting ready for college and, you know, ma- trying to make her own transition. And, and it's like she t- she told her daughter that, you know, I guess start trying to figure out a way to pay for college and, you know, how, how we can get financial aid. And that she didn't want to necessarily have a, a, to put a penny into her daughter's college. I said, well, what would you get out of it if you did? Because if you help your daughter, I mean, this is, and this is, this is just my point of view, but... If you if you help and now now we can go macro you know if you help your child get an education to then better themselves you know what are they are you if you really okay if you really want them out of the house that's probably the best way to go about it I, at least that's what I think I don't know I don't have kids it's just what I see again because everybody complains and a lot of students come back because oh it's a money issue it's like no it's an investment and the best thing you can do is learn how to communicate because then you come back home. And then maybe you expect a job or maybe you expect this, maybe you expect that. And when you go out and live on your own, you don't learn it. You have to learn it progressively, but you figure out that, oh, man, I have to actually talk. About, I have to defend myself. Maybe that's the key is learning to def- defend yourself and not be so – but not be so not be so defensive either. There's that balance, offense and defense. You know, there's two for a reason. You need to push and pull. And with that alone, trying to balance yourself in society – and seeing, okay, what what do you really want to get out of society? Because frankly, that's why you need to. That's why I think you need to work retail. You need to work the uh, restaurant business. At least even it's even it's a month. 
you know, that gives you a good scope. But anyways, I don't want I don't, I don't want to rabbit hole too far. Uh, college is good. Let your children move away from home. Guide them. Be there to guide them. There's a difference. I'm not saying leave them cold turkey and oh here take care of fend for yourself. No, that's not what I'm talking about either. You know, because that comes with parent that, com- that comes with parenting that comes with leadership. And my key term is leadership because that's what I'm like focusing on right now with everything that I'm trying to do, even if it's an individual conversation. Um, that you know, guiding. You know, you 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 are still the adult. If you if you want your kids to become adults, then you need to guide them there. And that's um, I I've been very fortunate in being able to move away from home, learn a lot of things, come back, thankful to the internet for for what I'm learning now. Because frankly, that's the reason why I'm reading so many books or trying to read as many books as I can. Uh, getting these concepts from people like Jocko Willing, Tony Robbins, Marie Forleo, Seth Godin, Simon Sinek, all these people that have internet channels and whatnot and give their information for free and i'm just trying to go out and use it myself in my circles and the people that i communicate with on a daily basis fourth question last question what was your first year out of college like hibernation probably sums up the first three months of being out of school i technically finished school June, actually, I believe it was July 1st, 2015. I moved out July 2nd, 2015. I moved home July 2nd, 2015. And the reason why I stayed was because I had to turn my key and I moved home and I slept. I was exhausted. I'll never forget the last 48 to 72 hours of college. We have a project, a group project, and at the time I took the lead on it because I wanted to use it. And this is before Jocko Willing. And then extreme ownership. But I felt like, okay, this is a good opportunity for me to manage. Because at the time, I was managing versus leadership. And I was, and for me, it was one and the same at the time. So, okay, let me manage the team. So I did that. Organized it as best I could. Communicated as best I could at the time. And by the time you know it, five weeks were up. We're now in the sixth week. We have a final, we have a final project, which, is, which is, has to be a maximum of 40 pages long. No longer. No less, 40 pages. And, that, and ours, I believe it came up to 36 pages. Uh, typed data, the whole works. And frankly, I had I saw myself as the person who needed, and it was my duty to, for one, oversee everything, but then double-check everybody's work, which turned out to be impossible. Because I think I, out of 36 pages, I don't even think I reached 18 pages of trying to see if this information was correct and try to see if this information was correct. Now, what I do know is that I, uh, oh, I guess what I learned more, yeah, more what I learned was that I, I cannot, that's where, you know, managers and leadership, that, that's where I can distinguish now, but even as a manager, even as a leader, as efficient as you want to be or try to be, you know, trust is a big thing and the thing is that we got the grade we deserved and it was it wasn't it was barely like a d plus like honestly i think it was a 60 and i'll be honest it was like a 69 point something it was not it was not a 70 so it was not a c it was like 69.3 or something like that and when i saw it and i remember one of my friends john he he wanted a contest protest the the grade and i was like no dude like look at look at all the circles look at all the markings it made total sense to me and i said no we have no excuse and that's the thing like you know learning to work in team work learning to work in a team like that where everybody has their own lives going on outside of school and still trying to get your degree at this time 
It's like people, and that's one thing I learned there at the end was like people will decide what's more important. And, and if you decide, oh my God, I can't quit. I can't leave my job for this or I can't do this. Then your result for maybe your actual goal, in this case, getting a, high, a, college, sorry, a college diploma, a college degree is not as important as your short-term temporary job that you want to leave anyways. And that was definitely one thing. So again, the last 72 to 48 hours of college, I'll never forget them. Uh, I had the best professor for my capstone. I, I actually sent him an email recently just thanking him again because I hadn't talked to him in two, since then. I hadn't talked to him in two years. So I did that. So go, sorry, I, I went on a rabbit hole there. But telling back to the question of what was my first year, like three months, I hibernated. So July, I walked in August. Come September, Eddie moves back to the valley. He's or he, I think he moved out. He moved back in August, around August, and so around the time we were already communicating. But I was still very much in a. I I wasn't gigging. I was I was exhausted. Honestly, I was exhausted. June, the month of June 2015 just burnt me out to the core, and I I couldn't function. Finally, come late August, come September, I started kind of recalibrating. I feel I feel better, and you know it's starting to starting to get to a point where like, okay i need to get a, i need i either need to get a job i need to do something luckily eddie's moving back from nashville was like hey man we're getting the band together and and i said okay and and frankly i didn't know what that meant but i was like i'm i'm, I'm on board you know he had already had a couple of songs you know out and he has a record or he had the he had the ep out he already had a few songs like new songs written up for the new record which you know then we turned into uh what we got last year 2016 you know 17 hours which you can find at eddiesignsmusic.com um, and then luck, I mean, lucky, lucky me again, I mean, this is where I'm, I feel like I'm so lucky and blessed. You know, he's like, Hey man, we have some acoustic stuff coming up and that's where it kind of started. And I started working my, 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 uh, my harmony singing, you know, really getting intricate with my playing as best I can to the record and what the record calls for. Not my taste, not me. Like, Oh, I do hear a lot of musicians like, Oh, this is the way I play. It's like, yeah, cool. That's not, that's not bad. That's not a bad thing. That, that, that brings up the art, but when the, the when, when the record's already made or the or the song's already played it's like well i my opinion is that i do believe in playing the record as verbatim and then adding some cool some cool twists in to the into the show maybe live show um so I started playing acoustic shows i guess come october and it was still kind of slow so i was more freelancing october november december uh freelancing that and then Lucky enough, I, I, I stayed busy with just music, and luckily I was able to just, just kind of maintain my bills through that, through kind of freelancing and just playing, playing you know, any gig I was offered, you know, everything from Christmas Day, Thanksgiving, Halloween's on a holiday, but I played Halloween on a Monday, uh, stuff like that. Last year, last uh, October 2016, I played Halloween, and Halloween was on a Monday, and I did that playing Sundays, you know, middays for the for the Winter Texans. That was actually a lot of fun. They, they, they enjoy this stuff, so... Um, that was my first year. Then come the biggest change of uh, 2016 was listening to, and I've mentioned this before, and I, I believe even last week or within the past couple of weeks, I've mentioned getting introduced to Jocko Willink and Extreme Ownership. And I've I've gone over a couple of chapters in the book with Eddie. I've gone, I've brought up the the some of the principles over and over again because it's literally what I use. And and now I'm tying in Extreme Ownership to trust and being truthful and being honest with people and and really developing my relationships through these principles now whether no whatever comes back to me then okay that that just you know that's that's the other person their character maybe they're they're whatever they're going through but as far as me you know using extreme ownership for my relationship building that's what i'm doing so anyways i was i was introduced to that 2016 
Luckily, again, I, I always give all the graces to Denver, our other guitar player and, and good friend of mine, good, good friend of mine, uh, Denver, for introducing us to Joe Rogan Experience, which you can find on YouTube and podcasts and all that stuff. And if you look up Jocko Willink, the first interview, it's like 729 or something like that. And there's, there's a moment there where Jocko talks about his experience and losing men in Iraq. And when he got to that point, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is a big deal. I need to learn more about this guy because this guy's inspiring me right now in this moment. And so, honestly, essentially, I got, I, got on, I got on my game. You know, 2016, I lost roughly 20, 25 pounds. Um, started being just more aware of my food intake. Now, like today, I, I, I call it sloppy. It, it, it's maintained right now. I'm, I'm, I'm really focusing on my physical training, uh, which, of course, in ha- comes, comes in hand with dieting. But I'm not, I'm not worried about, you know, being on a magazine or anything like that. I, 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 could, I could give a damn. Honestly, I could give a damn. It's just me is more of maintaining the, the physical ability to, to move as best I can, you know, be mobile, uh, be ready. And, and then, you know, then I started jujitsu October, 2016 as well, late October, 2016. That's just pure of, uh, from what I've learned is, you know, it keeps me humble, keeps me, keeps me focused. It allows me to focus, to refocus. If I have anything, if I have any trouble, um, I just go to jujitsu and it helps me, uh, regain my train of thinking and my mindset. Um, so that was that. So I guess, a year out of college would technically be from June to June, and that's basically what happened. I hibernated. I gigged. I discovered Jocko Willink via internet and podcasting in Denver. Studied that. Started reading. Once we got to Nashville, I bought several books in Nashville because we went to McKay's Music Store. Or I think it's McKay's, McKay's Store, McKay's Music Either way, there's a bunch of books, vinyl, a bunch of stuff there, and I, I think I bought a little bit of both. Mostly books. And... Getting that Power of Myth was a strong one by Joseph Campbell. That's a strong book that I feel is super, super, super relevant. Maybe I'll bring it up more depth in co- more depth of context on a on a future episode. But that's what that's what my first year was out of college. So there's my short background. Um, a lot of the people I bring up now, Tim Ferriss, Jocko. Tony Robbins, even Colonel David Hackworth, John Eldridge, several of these people, Seth Godin, Simon Sinek, Gary, even Gary Vee a little bit because I had a little stint with him as far as learning from him via internet. That's what I'm. That's what I've been doing, and that's what I'm kind of doing right now. Um, I I I'm I brought up the fact that there's change coming, and and I discovered this past weekend that it's actually going. It's going to be a little more radical than I anticipated, and I think that's I think ultimately that's a good thing. And I'm 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 very uh, I'm going to be very patient to see what unfolds come 2018. I've enjoyed this year, and frankly, we're we're merely a five six weeks away or six seven weeks away from year one of of moving with life, and it's it's been a cool journey. Now, now we can tell since 2017. Just for a second, I wanna I wanna end here shortly. So so tying in 2017, you know it's it's a totally compound or it's a it's a compounding factor of 2016 and and now i'm kind of once i realized compounding which i first started i got the term compounding from tony robbins and his book unshakable where he talks about investing and index funds and how compounding interest is the way you want to go the way you want to invest and i've been doing that now you know i I started my investing and it's doing really well this year and I'm, i'm really stoked on that and to see i'm looking forward to see where that takes us in the future but 
Tim Ferriss brings up compounding in things that he's learned. And I'm like, man, I, I never thought about compounding things that I've learned. You know, and for me, I can stand learning piano at such a young age, age three, and then going through baseball and, and developing that skill, and then guitar, and then making that, you know, very priority, and then still honing in my baseball skills, which is, you know, my, the physicality of it. And then marching band, which essentially that's playing, you know, playing an instrument, counting, you know, knowing where, knowing where to hit technique-wise, and then marching, you know, marching on the field as well. Which of course is, it may it may sound silly, but I mean that's what it is, and, and that's compounding. Then going through college, now going through this, now reading the books that I'm reading now, a lot of military leadership, a lot of military history, um, a lot of business leadership, and how those things tie into then the bigger picture, which is my point of moving with life, is life itself, and wanting to move. And th- the thing is, what I what I will end with is. Don't get yourself overwhelmed. And I say this because I, I'm going through it myself. Sometimes we can get so trapped in our heads and get so overwhelmed with... And I, I say we because I'm, I'm with you all. All of you listening, I am definitely with you guys and girls. That, you know, you get to a certain point and it's like you feel overwhelmed and you'd rather just take a nap. And I feel like that all the time. And sometimes, sometimes I take a nap. Because like, okay, I, I, need to, I, need, I just need to let this sit and... Not necessarily figure it out, but just let it sit and see what will come up, you know, what new questions will come up and whatnot. But anyways, compounding, you know, that's why I'm reading. That's why I'm, and essentially that, you know, it's a pretty cool correlation with the podcast and my way of thinking now and trying to maneuver as best I can to bring value to everybody listening and then learning about myself so that hopefully you want to learn about yourself. And once I feel like once you learn your actions, because this is what I'm doing, learning why I act the way I act, why I do it the way I do through my past is then being able to make better the things that I like and get get rid of the things I don't like or at least at least minimize the things I don't like. So with that I hope you take that stuff into consideration for yourself and we will rejoin here next Thursday. We'll be already in December. I believe that's December 6th. No, December 7th will be next Thursday. So We'll talk then. For now, if you want to get in contact with me, the best place would be movingwithlife.co. And the quote I want to end with is one I got from a video, which I'll talk about another time, where Lewis House is getting interviewed by Marie Forleo. And on this episode, he, he, says some, he says this, How can I connect with this person in a way that works for them? How can I come to a place of understanding them so I can resonate with them and connect to their heart?